Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG24. Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new Redefining Security podcast. Have you ever thought that we are selling cybersecurity insincerely, buying it indiscriminately, and deploying it ineffectively? Perhaps we are. So let's look at how we can organize a successful InfoSec program that integrates people, process, technology, and culture to drive growth and protect business value. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at imperva.com. Asgardia by WSO2 is a developer-focused identity and access management solution. Offered as Identity as a Service, or IDAS, Asgardio by WSO2 creates seamless login experiences to your apps in minutes. Marco. Sean. I was up all night building yeah. building new features for... Uh, cybersecurity product. Yeah? yeah. Uh, new stuff? New ideas? New st- I had some really innovative uh, dreams the nights prior, and uh, I thought, I'm going to take entire life savings and build this new product. Because you want to be the first on the market? I want to be the first on the market. I don't know if anybody wants it, but, uh, yeah, but you know. it's going to be it's gonna be cool. It's gonna, guess what it's going to have? AI. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be AI. It's going to be uh, ready, quantum ready. Yeah, and how about trust? And, zero? Uh, metaverse. One, one trust, zero trust. What's zero. Gonna <laughs> That's right. No, no, I'm, I'm joking, of course. Uh, already, I've already uh, done that experience of putting life savings into adventure, <laughs> which is a fun, a fun thing. Um, but in all seriousness, uh, I can joke about building a product and, and having it be technology-focused and hoping to create or find a market for it. Uh, I think there's a lot of reality in that, though. Um, and uh, we've had many conversations here, Marco, talking about features versus products versus solutions versus uh, ecosystems that uh, one or all of the above can solve a problem or not. And uh, how easy is it to apply them to solve the problem and uh, how expensive is it to do? There's lots to talk about. And uh, that the future can be bright if we put our mind to it. And uh, we have somebody who's been doing that for, for quite some time. He wrote a book. Uh, we're going to talk to him today about the future of cybersecurity and some of the innovations. Yeah, and, and, and the forget the book. He's already been on the podcast before. He's so been that's, on the podcast. That's what well. is relevant. Exactly. <laughs> we talked about <laughs> the right. book. That's his claim to fame. Our yeah. claim to fame for him is that he's on our Yeah, we know, we, we know that guy. That's, that's <laughs> how it goes. Now, honestly, I'm very excited to have this conversation. I remember it was a lot of fun. And we will connect, obviously, the two podcasts together. But today, we, we want to look into the future using your experience. And by your, I mean William Kilmer. Welcome back. 
All right. Thank you, Marco. Thank you, Sean. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, first of all, I, uh, I enjoyed the last session so much, but I think I should get a shirt that says I survived uh, Sean and Marco. <laughs> um, and and Sean, not like we're horrible people. <laughs> no, not at all. Actually, it was, it was such a great experience that, you know, that, uh, you know, that I volunteered to come back on again, uh, you know, readily. But um, uh, first, Sean, I have to say you had me. Uh, I was sitting here as you were talking about your startup and uh, I was adding up the valuation as you went. It was like, <laughs> You know, AI, well, that's at least 50 million for, a, you know, for an early stage company. Uh, Metaverse, yeah, definitely another 25 to 75 million there. And, you know, onwards, uh, you know, we were thinking about how much uh, how much we could put in and uh, how much your company was worth already. So, Well, I'm, um, I'm going to I'm going to take that for a moment before I let you introduce yourself, because I came at it purely from I have something cool to build and you you approached it from how much is it going to be worth? <laughs> <laughs> and I joked about the the idea that it actually did something meaningful. Um, I don't know. I'm going to leave that there. Hopefully, we get into some of some of that where we are with with things in, in that space. Before we do that, though, uh, for those who haven't heard the last podcast, for of course we encourage you to do so. Uh, but brief word, William, about uh, you, what you're up to. I know there's been a lot of activity in your world since last time we spoke, and uh, happy to hear what what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Sean. So uh, I'm William Kilmer. I am uh, working on a number of different things right now, but um, actually I just made an announcement today uh, that I'm joining a group um, called Gallows, uh, which is a UK-based uh, organization that's focused on early stage cybersecurity investing in uh, startups, as well as uh, creating a co-building platform. So if people have ideas um, or if they're interested in leading something and want to connect with uh, other founders who have great ideas were willing to fund and help build those organizations. And um, to me, that's just really at the you know forefront of cybersecurity and looking at what's happening. Um, also, you know, I should mention last time you know we talked about an upcoming book uh, that I've written called Transformative. It's really a general uh, business uh, strategy and innovation book. Um, it's really focused around um, how great companies go from being challengers to to market leaders. And in particular, you know, focuses on three different areas, which I'm sure we'll we'll incorporate maybe into some of our discussions today. But you know, maybe going back to what you had said earlier, one of the things that we find with um, with great companies, with transformative companies, um, you know, in particular, they tend to target industries that already exist. Um, they're big, they're open. Um, there are opportunities that they know customers are there and buying. But their main point of focus is not necessarily product innovation. Um, you know, or technology, it's more about changing the outcome for the customer. Right? And, you know, great companies, whether you, you know, you think about, um, you know, organizations like uh, Netflix, for example, who, you know, took DVD rentals and, uh, you know, and broadcast television, they changed it into an entirely different outcome where you had literally libraries worth of on-demand first DVDs and then, uh, you know, then then uh, streaming movies that you could access at any time. Um, to you know, companies like Starbucks who completely changed uh, a cup of coffee that you brewed at home to a whole new experience of sitting in that third environment. You know, sitting down and, and creating a new experience for customers. And I think a lot of those principles can be applied to to cybersecurity today. You know, if uh, if organizations in particular just focus on what is it that we want a customer to actually get out of this? You know, what kind of experience can we deliver and start thinking about how to build that versus, 
you know, how do I add this new technology in or lay it on top of everything else that they have? So how, how do you view things at the moment with respect to, I know obviously your book is very uh, widespread in terms of it doesn't matter what industry or tech, if it's a technology company or not, uh, to be transformative is to be transformative. Um, but from, from a cybersecurity perspective, do you see that sector specifically being transformative or are we kind of stuck in a cycle of iteration on existing things, serving an existing market, trying to find that little nugget of something that might help? Um, and maybe back to my, my previous points that it's either technology driven, some, some uh, engineer or an, uh, architect found a cool way to do a researcher found a cool way to do something. Or, uh, or an investor said there's, there's money to be had because this new technology is coming and needs to be secured. Somebody needs to build something for it. So are, are we transforming in cybersecurity or are we kind of in a, in a wheel of a hamster? <laughs> 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 yeah, I think, um, you know, for, for most of us, we don't know when we're on a hamster wheel. We're just keep going forward. And it looks like we're, you know, we're heading down the road from their perspective. <laughs> in a lot of ways, I think cybersecurity is like that. Um, like, you know, I think, um, you know, one thing I'd like to add in is that, uh, you know, one of the things that I did recently was actually participate in, um, you know, an overview of the market talking to, you know, about 40 or 50 people that were cybersecurity experts. And, you know, this was across uh, CISOs, investors, people who were recruiting and in, you know, charge of um, talent um, to, you know, business leaders. And I think, you know, what we heard largely was, um, number one, it feels like we're still in a very sort of incrementally uh, driven market today in terms of innovation. Things that we're seeing are layering on top of other things are, you know, sort of marginally better than what we've seen in the past. Um, but we're sort of on this precipice, I think, where, you know, cybersecurity really needs to see a, a sea change. Um, you know, first from a demand perspective, I, I think that the two most common things that I've heard, um, you know, when I've talked to CISOs, company leaders is number one, cybersecurity is too expensive and it's too complicated. And I think, you know, that's a big issue that they feel like they're spending an increasing amount of their budget on cybersecurity um, and they're not getting that much marginally out of it. And it's increasingly difficult to even know what to do next. And the second piece was you know, even though they feel like they've made improvements, they've included, uh, they've they've improved their security posture. That when you compare where they are today to the adversaries, the criminals who are out there, they've made larger improvements. They've made larger uh, progress. And in particular, we'd love to talk about this a little bit. But you know, the use of automation, AI, how sophisticated some of the adversaries have have become. Most organizations today feel like even though they've invested more, they're, they're sort of losing that battle. And I think that's a, that's a real issue. Um, when you, you know, we ask, are, are, we, are we in a phase where we're seeing things that are transformative? I think we have the potential to, which is why I said we're sort of on that precipice. Um, if you think about you know, some of the directions that we're going today and the, the paths that we have, first, you know, some of the platforms, things like extended detection and response, um, you know, SASE, uh, ZTNA. See, I, I got my first three acronyms out already. Um, each one of those is is really not a product. It's not a technology. It's a framework 
And it's really designed to be much more comprehensive than maybe the way that we thought about things, you know, before. I mean, take something as simple as XDR, right? Extended detection and response. We've we've recognized that, you know, the endpoint's important. We've recognized the network's important. Now we're seeing this bigger attack surface. And organizations, uh, in particular cybersecurity uh, solution providers, are starting to say, yeah, you know, we need to bring all of that information in and create, you know, a more comprehensive, informed decision on what to do, not give you pieces from each one of them to say, you know, here's an alert on a desktop, here's, you know, anomalous traffic that we've seen on the network, um, you know, here's something that we've seen where there's been, you know, an attack on maybe a cloud instance. We're bringing all of that together to sort of sort of help organizations understand what's happening very quickly. So I think we can really be at a stage where we're going to be transformative. Um, but a lot of that is really going to depend on, you know, having the right solutions in place, um, the, the right ones that are automated, the right ones that have, you know, I think AI to assist organizations in making good decisions and responding quickly. So, William, oh, oh. First of all, don't don't get me going with the acronyms because yeah, you know, that's a, a never-ending <laughs> acronyms. <laughs> Hack acronyms. Uh, that's a never-ending battle between me and Sean and all the the, the experts because it makes me think like how in a way there is still this secret language and secret society about being in cybersecurity that it's a you know that business to business expert to expert conversation. And the reason why I'm saying this is because I'm thinking about the example that you brought back about a company being transformative, which is not just selling a product. To me, it's selling a lifestyle, right? When you really embrace a brand and you, you talk about Netflix, it changed the way people are consuming things. Starbucks, same thing. I can think, you know, in a way, Apple, Nike, when you really embrace a brand. And it's very hard for me to think like how cybersecurity is going to do that unless it become more of a, a B2C instead of a B2B, and then the B2B needs to adapt to, to their consumers. You see what I'm saying? It's like, how are we going into the mainstream in order to really transform? Um, otherwise, you're just adding another thing. Yeah, that, that's a great question. You know, Marco, look, I, you know, I actually went to a, a show this week, um, you know, one of the first ones I've been to live, and it was for uh, managed security services providers. And, you know, there were a lot of discussion there about XDR, for example, but most of the discussion was around, well, you know, this is what XDR means to me. What What is that for you? You know, does that include these components or, you know, these other components? Um, and I think what we need to do is is step back a bit more and this is one of the principles in my book that I talk about for about outcome innovation. Great innovators always start with the outcome and work backwards, right? They always think about what is the solution that I want to have in place and then how am I going to do that? And that generally, you know, transforms the, the perspective and it, it, you know, causes the organizations to really rise to, you know, a challenge. And, you know, I'd, I'm going to go really, really old school here. Hopefully you guys will, will remember this and a few of your listeners will as well. But, you know, you think about Steve Jobs and, you know, some of the things. <laughs> I that was just thinking would, about that. He, like, he would put out there, there. Right? 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, think about, you know, if you, if you had an iPod, you know, early on, what was Steve Jobs' challenge? It was, we're going to put a thousand songs in people's pockets, right? It was very open. It was very sort of consumer experienced. Um, and it left people's imagination open as to, you know, what that would be. Uh, you know, imagine if we did that in, in cybersecurity rather than saying, we're going to build and, you know, we're going to bring, bring together all these components, uh, you know, for a zero trust network experience. What if we just said instead, you know, we want to build an experience where, uh, you know, where users that get on the network are those that are trusted and those that, that aren't trusted, you know, can't get on. Okay, how do we work back and make that solution work? Or, you know, one of my biggest, uh, I think, areas of interest is still around the small, medium enterprise, you know, market, the, the SMB, maybe, a, you know, under a thousand employees, companies or organizations. If you could just sit down and say, how are you going to make this cost effective and simple enough for them to be able to use it, especially in a world where, you know, things are starting to become more automated on the attacking side, um, you know, you might come up with a different solution rather than, Here's a bunch of things we can stitch together and, and sell to the small, medium business market. I'm glad you went there. And I'm, I'm going to stay here for a moment because I, I was just wondering, and you answered the question, if we're asking the wrong questions for what the outcome should be. Yeah, many conversations we have, we, we talk about the, the, the idea that you can't talk about the technology, you can't talk about the vulnerability, you can't talk about the breaches, all the stuff that that causes fear and gets teams to kind of, I don't know, ruminate on, on how to solve a, a specific problem. And we're, we're trying to move that over to, well, how, how does what you do not just protect the business, but perhaps even enable the business. And it seems we're kind of getting stuck in that point as well. Um, and I'm wondering, e even if we do ask the right question, what is the outcome that we want? And we do it in a way that that's very open and gets people to think differently. Do we have the wherewithal to actually deliver <laughs> what, we, what we say is the outcome we want? Yeah. Um, you know, I think this depends on a few factors. I think the capabilities there, um, but for too long, we've sort of had this delineation in the market that, um, you know, and a lot of it, I would say, is driven by, you know, the venture capital model, um, you know, the way that we see technology and innovation sort of cultivated. But, you know, we have this approach that you're a software company, you're a services company. You know, if you're a software company, your goal is to sell as much software as you can, you know, sell it to as many people as possible, minimize your costs, which include, you know, how much are you actually interacting with the customer? How much are they calling you, et cetera? Um, and, you know, the approach that we've often taken in this market is, hey, we'll sell it to as many people as we can, but, you know, if they need help, well, you know, then we want a consultant or we want a, a VAR or we want a, an MSSP, a, you know, managed security services provider to run that. Um, and, you know, the, they're kind of throwing the, um, you know, they're throwing the ball over the wall to, to somebody else to manage it all. And, you know, I think at some point in time, we've got to, you know, we've got to change that approach. I think the other side too is, um, you know, we need to require software providers to also step up. Um, and I think we're seeing this increasingly in the market, but, you know, we essentially, when it comes to cybersecurity, we've sort of like, we've allowed people to build the roads and we've allowed people to build the cars and that's the infrastructure, the software. Um, but 
it's not always secure and it's not always safe. And then we're having a whole bunch of people, you know, run around in the cybersecurity market trying to chase down everything and make it secure. So, you know, imagine if we allowed, you know, Tesla to sell you a car that doesn't have door locks on it and it breaks down often and that, you know, somebody can come and, you know, steal the batteries out of it. Now, you know, we're telling you, yeah, you've got to go talk to somebody who can secure that for you. I mean, that's essentially what we've done in a lot of ways in, in the software market. And I think we're seeing that change, but you know, that that's been the approach for the last 20 years and it hasn't worked. Well, can I comment on this, Sean, very yeah, quickly? Because that's where I was going to go to. Like, are we just the one dictating what they want without really listening to the market? And I know you've talked to a lot of people in the industry, in the, the consumers, like what, what do they want? So I guess on a way you can listen to, you know, Henry Ford is like, you know, people wanted a faster horse. I'm giving them a car. Now they all want a car because they don't they didn't know any better. In a way, Steve Jobs did the same thing. It's like they didn't know they wanted it, something that was a phone and an MP3 player and a computer and all of that. Uh, and I feel like the cybersecurity industry has been kind of like uh, driving this conversation and say, you don't know anything. Let me tell you what you need. I don't know how, how effective that is in the long run. Um, let me try to answer that, Marco. You know, when I think about what, you know, some of the obstacles are, you know, in the market today, I, I, I think about, you know, sort of three things that are, you know, that are out there. Um, number one is, you know, organizations today are just in an asymmetric warfare, um, you know, when it comes to cyber threats. Um, you know, they're going up against uh, adversaries, attackers who are well-funded, they're protected, they essentially have no, you know, constraints, and they've become more organized than ever. Um, you know, we're hearing instances of, uh, you know, sophisticated hackers who, you know, sound like organizations, right? They've got, you know, sort of the front end. Um, they've got, you know, a finance department that once they've ransomwareed you, you know, they send you over there to, to accept your payments. Um, you know, they've just got all of these different tools that are available to them, including AI now that's making it more and more difficult. You know, that, that's, I think, a number one issue. Number two is, you know, as we know, there's just a lack of great talent out there in the cybersecurity market. You know, you hear all sorts of numbers, but, you know, latest numbers I've heard are, are you know, 1.4 million open positions in which there, there aren't qualified uh, individuals for. And then, you know, three, I would say, you know, is it, it's somewhat self-inflicted both by, you know, the customers and by the cybersecurity market that because there's so much pressure to stop the threats, we sort of think about these incremental, oh, you know, here's another problem, we've got to focus on that. Here's another problem, we've got to focus on, on solving that. And, you know, therefore, we just really don't have the ability to step back and think about how do we, you know, reformulate and, you know, come up with things that are, are much more transformative. So, you know, it's difficult, you know, in this type of market today where we're constantly thinking about what's the newest issue, what's the newest problem, um, to really step back and and sort of you know walk back in the door of of a company and and figure out what they really need and how to best you know solve it right we're 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 really generated by that or motivated by those short term concerns that they have. So that in connection to your your previous point of uh, basically we're building crap right and then we have to go secure it afterwards. Um, I I know there are things like phones that are built from from the ground up to be secure um are they going to compete with apple and samsung and and others i don't know 
right? Uh, probably not. Um, they don't have the ecosystem there to to make that happen. For example, where where do we go? What 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 do we look at here? Is it the the infrastructure needs to be redone? Um, do we need to get rid of existing operating systems and devices and and start from scratch? Is it is it a wholesale thing like that, or is there an incremental path? forward and and again and because you, you're talking about uh, talent i mean if we're if all we're doing is exacerbating the problem and expecting more talent to come in and clean up afterwards that's that's a never-ending battle that that probably can't be sustained so i'm thinking if we change the technology and we bring people in and and swap things out perhaps we we fix that problem and the talent problem as well i don't know i'm uh, I'm curious your thoughts on how we kind of get out of the pickle that we're in. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point, Sean. And, and I think it does start, you know, with the software providers. It does start with, um, you know, the infrastructure providers to step up to a level of, you know, security in what they're offering. And I do think that's happening. And it's it's probably not, um, you know, it, it's not as dramatic as changing out an entire operating system, but it's really... Uh, a willingness to to buy into and adopt some of these features. I don't think you need to have a you know a third uh, you know phone option you know in the market today beyond uh, you know Android based phones or iPhones. You look at what what uh, Apple has done, and I actually just wrote an article um, on this recently. It's on uh, it, it was published on Crunchbase's um, you know news site, but talking about how startups need to embrace cybersecurity as an element of their strategy. And it exactly highlighted, you know, what Apple has done with turning off application tracking. Um, their ability to do that and to offer customers a choice that apps won't uh, actually track the, uh, you know, an individual across different applications um, was a boon. You know, it put them in a an interesting, you know, very significant position versus software vendors, for one thing, the app developers, right? And we saw, um, you know, organizations that had a significant drop off in, in application usage and revenue because they weren't able to track from others. But more importantly, they really catered to a market, giving them, you know, a feature that people wanted to use. And I think whether it increased their sales or not, I don't think there's a lot of evidence that, that it did. It set them up and position them as the most secure, you know, mobile device, let's say mass market mobile device in, in the market today. And I think that's an attractive position. There's no reason why, you know, other organizations can't do that. The most, uh, you know, secure cloud platform um, in the market should be a position that somebody would want to take um, and across other markets as well. So I think it really starts with the vendors to begin with to think about, what is it that my customer wants? How do I, you know, give them the most comprehensive customer experience? That's going to include security. And you know, it's a it's a great point because it's it's a delicate balance as well. I mean, is it the bigger question of when you decide, am I going to go for it? Is it going to be a winning branding proposition, brand proposition, or am I going to lose the market? Like, you know, am I going to lose the the deal that I have with Google, for example, with the tracking and other things, or then I'm going to end up selling more advertising on my own platform, which is what apparently Apple is going to do now. Mm -hmm. And I'm also thinking old school, like when, 
you know, Volkswagen went on the U.S. market in the 50s with the with the Beetle, the Volkswagen, and they were selling, everybody were selling big cars. You need a bigger car, the bigger car. And they came with the Think Small campaign, which is probably one of the best campaign ever. And they got a big portion of the market. So it's like, who do we listen to? Our guts, our experience, or, or what the market, uh, the consumer think they want. Mm-hmm. So maybe... All with all your conversation and everything. I mean, what do you, what do you have you learned? I mean, your thinking cap on now the future, thin foil hat, and tell us what what do you see. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Marco. Uh, first of all, for bringing up an even older example than the iPod. So I, I appreciate <laughs> you. Uh, I like up I the like Volkswagen example. So <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. So. You know, I think one of the, some some of the themes that we've heard, um, you know, in terms of what needs to be done, uh, you know, in the cybersecurity market in particular, to provide better outcomes, you know, in the future. And you know, as I mentioned, we talked to a lot of different people, venture capitalists, uh, CISOs, uh, industry leaders, company leaders, um, etc. You know, there were a few things that we really heard that people were looking for as, as part of the future and really, you know, how things should go forward. Um, the first probably, and the most important one is that there needs to be better risk quantification and risk management. And this, I think, goes both for, you know, separate vendors, um, you know, who are looking at overall for an organization, but also there needs to be some level of understanding when somebody buys into new software or develops new software, what are the tools that they have to really determine um, what's the risk here? And I think the the big issue that we're seeing that we've talked to uh, with people is that you know, digital transformation sort of phase two, which is really starting to orient itself towards, um, uh, you know, digital transformation of the products and services, right? Phase one was sort of a, how do we get more productive? How do we reduce our operating costs by, you know, uh, taking our workflows and, and transactions and turning them into digital ones? Now we're starting to look at, it's all going down into the business units and it's focused around how do we give a better customer experiences those are going to have their own inherent risks uh, to them. And organizations want to understand if I build a new product, if I have some sort of digital capability, if it increases uh, a customer's footprint or attack surface in the market, how big of a risk is that? And I think, I think you know, any customer should be able to find that. That's really important. Uh, the next thing that we heard, uh, particularly from CISOs, uh, was this impression that, again, uh, attackers are becoming more automated. They're using more AI, and you know that they needed to prepare for what we call the instantaneous attack. It's sort of a you know push the button, everything just goes into place, and it's very very hard to defend. You know they're no longer you know APTs, and they're you know they're slow and stealth. They're very quick, and you know get in and kind of do the smash and grab, and they need to be able to to manage that. Um, the, you know, the third was, you know, how do we really focus on getting the most out of software without having to put more people, you know, at it? So helping organizations to think less about SaaS and more about how is the customer going to manage this? Maybe that might be, you know, they help with that. They decide to provide their solution as a managed service um, or they're building it for service providers to, to be able to manage. Um, those were some of the key ones. And I, and I will say last one, by the way, and probably most surprising we heard from people that we talked to was we want different business models. We don't just want, you know, we've gone kind of, 
we've kind of progressed in this market from you know license and maintenance you know 15 years ago to SaaS. And we heard people saying, we want other business models besides just paying somebody a subscription for the software. And you know, we had all sorts of really, really interesting ideas that came out of that. Um, but you know, to me, it was fascinating that, that people were looking for a different way to pay for the solution rather than just giving money to somebody who you know, is providing a SaaS solution, but there's really no basis as to you know, whether or not it's successful. Or there's no tie to that sort of success rate of the software. And William, I'm I'm glad you you brought that fourth point because I wanted to talk a bit about the budget, and I don't know if you have much insight uh, on this point or not. But I mean, as, as the attack surface expands and business processes expand and the vulnerabilities therefore expand, um, that's that's my view of what's driving a lot of the new innovations. And so there's a new thing that needs to be protected, a new set of data that needs to be secured, a new process that needs to be uh, fortified. And with each and every one, it's a new subscription, right? Um, whether it's an annual or a monthly or whatever it is, uh, or, or an enterprise, I don't even know if they do let enterprise licenses anymore or unlimited use of, of the stuff. But my point is, with each and every new thing that needs to be protected is a new product and a new line item in the budget. How do we, how do we innovate our way out of that uh, growth <laughs> that we that none of us like? I'm sure, except the people selling stuff. Yes. Um, well, I think the industry solution is, you know, buy it all from us, and we'll sell it to you as a package, right? And I think that's where we're sort of going with, you know, with our favorite acronyms, right? Like, like XDR, uh, SASE, um, you know, where they're just saying, hey, you know, if you just buy all of the components and you buy us as a platform, you're going to get it for less, um, which in some cases may make sense. I think certainly, you know, in the medium enterprise, that that makes a lot of sense as well. Um, but, you know, I think there are different alternatives that are out there. And, um, you know, we, when we did the survey, um, and you know, came back and started thinking about models. We were actually pretty surprised at how many different models we could come up with. Um, probably the most, um, you know, I think the most beneficial, and maybe the one that 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 is more pos- more positive in terms of building a a positive loop is um, you know more companies thinking about how to build more of a managed SaaS model rather than a, a SaaS model. So, you know, you're putting software out there and you're offering it as a you know, software as a service, and you're asking people to pay a subscription, but you're giving it to them. And oftentimes, they just don't have the personnel um, to manage it. Uh, The number of applications I can tell you where people told us, you know, that's shelfware. Yeah, we have it running over here. Nobody looks at it because we just don't have the time. Um, Or we couldn't, you know, bring it into our our SOC, our our security operations center. Um, You know, there there are significant applications out there that I think are 50% or more shelfware. Um, but this idea that you know maybe the service pro- or the the software provider is also a managed SaaS provider for at least some of their customers, that starts to get them in this positive innovation loop where they're thinking about okay, if I have to provide people who are managing the software for my customer, that makes me start thinking about how do I simplify the product, how do I make it easier to use, how do I bring in more. AI capabilities because that's directly f- affecting my financial position, and it's also helping the organization to better consume, you know, the product. So, 
Uh, I've seen it be successful where organizations are selling a managed SaaS solution where they are, you know, sort of lightly managing their own SaaS software. And I think that's been super, super helpful. And I think there's, you know, mutual benefits in that. As we come close to uh, to wrapping here, William, I, I want to get your thought here because you get to talk to a lot of people. Obviously, you did a bunch of interviews uh, over the years. You've talked to a lot of folks. I'm sure a lot went into writing the book, Transformative. Um, yeah, it could go two different ways. Uh, examples of other industries. I know there's there's a lot around ESG, right, where they have probably similar challenges. There's a lot of stuff in place. This is how we work. This is how stuff is built and this is the culture we we've built around our, our businesses and now we need to change to support a greener more friendly society um are there other oh, let's just stick here i guess are there other other sectors or industries that we can look to that uh have come across this challenge in a similar fashion and perhaps found a way out do you know yeah um you know, I think ESG actually is a is a really good example and a good model. Um, you know, we've progressed a lot, I think, as a society, and especially thinking about companies. Um, you know, for for decades, right? We've been sort of on this, you know, Milton Friedman model that you know every organization's goal is just to you know maximize shareholder return and and profitability. And um, you know, in the last, I think, you know, ten years or so, we definitely have seen. Uh, a rising ESG movement. Some of it's been, you know, regulated or regulatory requirements, but a lot of it, I think, is just people recognizing that there is more out there than just buying a product, and that they're willing to, um, if not pay more for it, certainly switch to an organization that they think is doing more uh, good or has less of a footprint, an impact, a negative impact in terms of environment, um, you know, social. Uh, you know, damage, et cetera. Um, so I think there's a there's a big movement towards that today that really gives us an indication that, um, you know, people are willing to pay for things that are important for them um, beyond, uh, you know, product, but also that companies, in order to get on that innovation cycle, need to be willing to step up and maybe incur some more cost in order to make that available to them as a, as a solution. And um, I would say that, you know, the software industry today, the tech industry overall is still more or less a profit maximization focus versus a, you know, more comprehensive ESG. We see that right down at the, you know, the level of software development. But again, to be optimistic, I think we're seeing that change. So, you know, we're seeing a lot more movement towards, uh, you know, use of DevSecOps principles, um, you know, development of code that is safe and secure. And in a lot of ways, we're trying to enable that other side of things that, you know, organizations can lead the way and, you know, hopefully position themselves as we are a secure platform or the most secure platform in the market and that they'll get rewarded for that in some way, whether it's they may charge a premium, they may, um, you know, get higher market share. But certainly I think that is a, you know, a forward uh, position, a lean in position to, you know, from a from a product development and from a strategy perspective. Well, lots to uh, lots to think about here, William. Uh I don't know if there if there's a problem more challenging than than the actual fight itself, um, but figuring a, a different way to solve that overarching problem is probably a little more challenging. Um, yeah, so I, I think outcome in mind first, and and not the outcome we ask ourselves with, which 
is typically rooted in how much money can I make if I build something cool or how, how can I use technology to do something differently? It's more of how an open-ended, as you said, how can we uh, accomplish something meaningful for perhaps not even just the business, but for the sector or perhaps even society and thinking like that will really drive transformation. I think. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the very most simple principles that I'll leave with you, you know, for people who outcome uh, who have innovative outcomes and really drive such transformative change. And this is one of the principles I talk about in the book is they think about, you know, union statements. How do I take what they have today and add something else to it that is significant. So just, you know, the the very most basic level of saying around cybersecurity, how do I provide them with the most secure solution? And it is the simplest solution in the market for them to run or the most or the easiest solution for them to run. Just really can drive a lot if you open up your organization to that and allow your, you know, engage your team and allow them to innovate. Um, and I think we'll see some very significant changes and improvements in the in the industry, and hopefully, we'll all become much safer because of it. Nice. Well, thank thanks for that tip, and uh, I know there are many more in uh, the book which we covered last time, and I believe it's coming out soon. Uh, so we'll we'll include a link to that for folks to hear uh, to to uh, grab hold of as well. I mean, I, I have a gazillion questions in my head still. It's um, an interesting topic. Um, I'm always trying to think, especially here on redefining cybersecurity on this channel, uh, how to think differently about this problem. And uh, I find myself getting stuck in some of the ways that I think about things, even as, even as I'm trying to redefine it uh, with others joining me. Um, so this conversation was really good for me as well. And I uh, appreciate it, William. And uh, Marco, anything else? No, great conversation. I have, yeah, gazillion of questions would be more societal related. And, and as you say, you know, if you talk about redefining cybersecurity, you can get stuck in this container, in this bucket. And I, I think like this, this is about change in society as we change cybersecurity. So probably that's, that's, that's the next conversation, maybe, William, <laughs> we can have. <laughs> but I was very, okay. very, very happy to be part of this. Thank you, Sean, for uh, inviting me and glad to see and talk to William again. Yeah, great to have Bye. you on, William. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, let's keep redefining cybersecurity at its most basic but also meaningful levels. And uh, there'll be links to the book, and I found the article on uh, Crunchbase. We'll include that there for, for the Apple PC, wrote William. Anything else you want to share? And uh, stay tuned for more. Asgardia by WSO2 is a developer-focused identity and access management solution. Offered as Identity as a Service, or IDAS, Asgardio by WSO2 creates seamless login experiences to your apps in minutes. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at imperva.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Redefining Security Podcast. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. 
If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG24.